0: Well, good morning church. It's good to see all of you here with us this morning. We are finishing up a series today. If I haven't gotten the opportunity, opportunity to meet you yet, I'd love to have that opportunity. My name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here and I'm usually hanging out in the lobby uh, immediately following services. So today, if I, if I don't know you or you don't know me, if you would, please stop by. I'd love to, to shake your hand, say hi, get to know you, especially if this is your first time hanging out with us. We, we realize you could have picked a whole lot of other places to spend your time, and the fact that you're here, man, that means a lot to us, and we'd love to just say thanks for, for showing up and hanging out with us. Um, we're pretty excited about what God is doing here at Fusion City Church, and that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks of what, what it is that we feel like God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do as a church and so we titled the series who we are and that's what we're talking about who we are as a church and we started off in the first week by talking about what every church should be right? we, we went back to the in the book of Acts to the very beginning to the very first church and we looked at what is the church and we discovered that the church is a whole bunch of people gathered around all asking the same question God now what? God, what, what's next for us? God, what would you have us to do next? And that was, the, that was the, the kind of the mentality and the thought process, process behind what got the church off of the ground and got it started way back a couple thousand years ago. Week two, uh, we talked about specifically one of the values that we have here at this church. It's, it's a pretty common value in most churches that we want to be a church where people have the opportunity to connect with God, that we want to be a connecting point for people and their creator. That's what we desire to be as a church, so we talked about connecting with God. Then we said last week that all of us, because we were created to be in relationship, because we were created to connect with God, that that craving for relationship, that relational part of who we are, that spills over into the rest of life. And so we all have this desire to connect with other people and to be in relationship With other people that's something that we thrive in and because it's innate it's it's natural it's born we're just born that way of wanting to desire to connect with people and we say hey look the church should be the hub where people have an opportunity to come and not just meet friendly people but meet friends this should be a place where people are able to make friends and begin those relationships that benefit our lives and that we get value from And this week we're going to talk about once we have those things, it's kind of a progression as you can see. We started what is the church, then we talked about connecting with God, once we connect with God, then we want to connect with other people. And now as a natural flow of that progression, what does it look like to take that outside of the walls and begin connecting with people outside of the church? And so we want to be not only a hub where people can come and connect with each other, but we also want to be a connecting point for people who are outside of the church and God. And so we're going to connect with God. We're going to connect with others. And then as a church, we're going to connect other people to God. We desire to do that. And so we're trying to figure out ways that we can make that happen. One, one way that we're doing that in a couple of weeks, we're going to have this family day at the park where not only we can go as a family and go hang out, but we're going to ask you to bring people from, from outside of the, the church family and let them come hang out with us too. Let, them, let us show them. The Christians... We're weird, but in a good way. Like, we want to hang out. We want to have some fun with people who aren't yet in the church. And so we're going to go to Bakers Creek Park on August 10th and hang out, eat some hot dogs. Y'all are going to lose, somebody's going to lose a cornhole because I'm going to play. And, like, it's going to be fun, but I'm competitive and I have to win. And so we're going to play cornhole and kickboard and volleyball and putt, putt, and anything else that you would like to get beaten at if you play Pastor Brian. Whatever it's it's up to you. Whatever you want to do, we'll make it happen. I'll give you the opportunity to lose as many things as you'd like to. We're going to do that at the park at Baker's Creek on August the 10th. We're just going to go because we all desire to be in relationship and to hang out and to just be together. And that's what we're trying to create here at this church. Just a place not only for us to be together and connect with God, but a place where other people can come and connect with God as well. Now, if you, if you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, I'd really strongly encourage you to go and, and listen to the podcast. You can check us out. We're at com, and right there is a place where you can listen to, to messages from the series. And I'd encourage you to do so because, like I said, they've all kind of built on the, the one before. And what we've been talking about is this of modeling our church after. The first church. We've been looking in the book of Acts. And let me, let me kind of give you the, the book report version of what we've been talking about. I don't know if, if y'all hated book reports in school as much as I did. Um, I despised doing book reports. Cliff Notes was my friend. All right. But let me kind of give you the book reports, catch you up on what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, back in, in Acts chapter 2, or I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, not chapter 2, but in, in chapters 1 and 2, we see this, this picture of Jesus. Jesus has just given his life for the salvation of mankind on the cross uh, he died so that you and I could be in relationship with God because God took his sacrifice on the cross as the payment for our sins so that now we are, we are seen as perfect by God and God is perfect, so now God's perfect, we're seen as perfect, so now perfect and perfect can be in relationship together. Jesus did that for us. It was his death that bought that opportunity in relationship for us. Then as a result of that, um, you and I can now be in fellowship not only with God but with one another as believers also And then, but the the problem was that Jesus had a following. He had a lot of people that were really putting their faith and trust in this Messiah that had come that was going to save the world and establish a kingdom on earth. And so when he died, they were pretty upset about that because, well, how is he going to establish a kingdom if he's dead? They couldn't figure that out. But then he came back to life three days later. He walked out of a grave. He's resurrected. He shows up. He talks to. His disciples and a couple of other people as well. He shows up. He's talking to them, hanging out with them. They're all excited again because now he was dead, but now he's alive. And they're really excited about that. And he's like, well, hey, don't get too excited because I'm leaving. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be with my Father in heaven. But, but here's cool. what's cool. When I leave, I'm going to send something even better. Because while I'm with you face to face, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit that's going to be with you from the inside. So I'm, I, God, all of us, the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are going to all be with you inside. It's going to speak to you and change you from the inside out. That's going to be a good thing and you're going to experience power when that happens. And they did. Jesus told them, hey, just wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be inside of you and and great things are going to happen. And they did. Um, On something called the Day of Pentecost is the first day that believers began to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. On this Day of Pentecost, uh, the, the apostle, disciple, Peter, preached a message. And on that day, three Thousand people responded to the message about Jesus, and they gave their lives and commitment to being a Christ follower. They became Christians. 3,000 people on one day. That's a pretty exciting day, but what's really cool is that as you read through the the text of Scripture and you see Jesus' ministry, Jesus actually told Peter that, hey, one day I'm going to do some really cool stuff through you. I'm going to do some really significant, life-changing, monumental stuff through you. I want us to look at that. If you have your Bibles, and if, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one. If you just forgot your Bible, but you have a smartphone, uh, you can track along with us on version. There's some instructions at the top of your program on how to do that. Um, if you have a dumb phone and you forgot your Bible, we're going to put the words on the screen for you behind me. All right, so Matthew chapter 16. Let's start reading in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them a very very important question. Here's what he said. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Jesus changed his name. You are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's some pretty strong words. That's a pretty bold prediction. Hey, Peter. Well, first of all, they call you Simon, I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. And on you, rock, I'm going to begin to build my church. I'm going to use you, Peter, in the beginning of my church. And that's exactly what he did. Peter preached a sermon, one sermon. Well, he preached more than one, but his first sermon was at the the day of Pentecost, outside of the temple, and 3,000 people responded to Peter's message and gave their lives to Christ. And this thing, that, that was, that's what we kind of point to as the beginning, the catalyst, the, the, the origination or the origin point of the church. And for, for over 2,000 years, this thing called the church, Satan has fought to destroy, to discredit, to, de- to devalue, to distract people, to, to, to snuff out the church. And for 2,000 years plus, he's failed. Isn't that what Jesus said? Hey, Peter, I'm going to use you to do some great things, and the great things that I use you to do, not even the powers of hell will be able to defeat. Here we are. The result of Peter's message on Pentecost. It started with 3,000 people, to now what is millions and millions of people worldwide because of Peter's message. But I don't want to focus on Peter's message today. I don't want to talk about the, the, the content and the things that Peter said in his message. I want to talk about the relationship ...that Peter had with Jesus that led him to preach such a powerful and life-changing message. And I want to set it up this way. Let me, let me see if I can bring us all into the same. Have any of you ever had something happen to you or, or something significant take place... To ...where you could not wait to, to get to work or get around your buddies or somebody or some friends... ...so that you could tell them about the things that happened? Show of how many people ever had that happen? Right? Most of us have had a pretty significant event. I mean, some, most of you are married, I think. That's probably a pretty significant event. Hey, I got engaged. Like, I'm going to marry somebody. That's kind of a big deal. That's something you would want to tell people if you've ever had a kid. Right? You have put their pictures on Facebook and forced the rest of us to look at your baby. Like, you've done that because that's what people do. Right? Because we're proud. Something significant happened. Right? Well, for me, now, I've, I am married and I do have children, so I've done both. All right? I've, I've, I've done both of those things. But an, another significant event for me um, it's, it's been a lot of years ago now. I used to say it was a few years ago until I realized that I'm getting, really getting old. Um, so it's a lot of years ago now. I used to be a pretty um, adamant softball player, loved to play ball, uh, played in church league softball, tournament ball, open league ball, whatever, traveled around and played, did the whole, the whole softball thing. I, I was a softball nut. Um, now, I was playing in a local, ch- local like Canapolis City Church softball league, so I was big time, all right, like big. I, I made it all right local church softball league i'm playing we're in a game we're in a tournament uh where we're getting near to the end of the tournament and starting to dwindle down the team there's not a whole lot of us left and we're playing this other team was really good and neither of us could really get ahead we're kind of back and forth they score some runs we score some runs we make it to the bottom of the seventh inning now in softball you only play seven innings so this was the last inning we're down by one right we're down we're losing by one and the two guys like i'm the third person up in that inning to hit and the two guys in front of me popped out. Like they flew out. They got out. So now we got two outs in the bottom of the seventh. Like, it's on me. If I don't get a hit, game's over. If I get a hit, then it's on somebody else. But I at least got to get a hit so that it's not on me. Like, I've got to get past this moment. And not only did I get past the moment, check it out, I hit it out of the park. Right? Home run. Like, barely. Like, like, like oh, please, please, please. Like, barely over defense. Just caught it. Just enough just over the edge of the fence. If Dude had been a little bit faster, he'd have probably robbed me, and that'd have been the end of the game. We'd have lost by one, but we didn't. Uh, the guy after me, he gets out. So now we've got a tie game. We're going to extra innings. All right, this is like Hollywood, like drama type setup stuff. We're in extra innings. This team scores three runs in, in, the, in the top of the eighth, and so we have to score three or more to win. Now, here's what happened um, we got two guys on base. And, and, I, and there's a guy on deck who hits before me. He's, the, he's like, and this kid was a monster of a man. All right. Well, I call him a man kid. I'm not sure. He was, a, he, he was at college. He was home from college on a baseball scholarship. He was like 6'3", about 260, mountain of a dude. And he had already hit like two, I think, home runs already in this game. And they were like, hey, we're not going to pitch to him. Let's pitch to the skinny guy. It was a long time ago. I was skinny. Let, let's not pitch to the big guy. Because he's going to hit two out. Like, we know he hit one out last inning, but chances are he ain't doing this again. Like, so they they walk him intentionally, put him on. Now, here it is. Bases are loaded. Down by three. Extra innings in the bottom of the inning with two outs. Here I step up to the plate. And there... And I I watch a couple pitches because that's what you do. you got to intimidate the pitcher. You don't hit the first one. You let him think. Oh, you know, whatever. So I'm I'm playing mind games with the pitcher, and the pitch comes in. And, man, I rear back, and I hit it. Now, for any of you that have ever played baseball slash softball or ever hit at all, sometimes when you hit the ball, you just know it. Like, you caught it, sweet spot, you know now, the first, now the one that I'd hit in the, in the inning or so before barely cleared. This one, I knew it. All of a sudden, I'm like Barry Bonds. Flipped my bat, did like my trot down the first bit, staring the pitcher down. Like, yeah, look at that, right? Like, now, I just hit two home runs in one softball game, one to send us into extra innings, and then a grand slam to win the game in extra innings and advance my team in a tournament. You could not stand me the next couple of days. I don't know how many times my wife heard that story. Like, did you see it? You see it? you see it when it go over? Like, it didn't just go over a little bit. It went over a lot. Like, it was, she's like, yes, I know. I was there. Like, I saw it. You don't have to tell me. I was like, but you saw it, right? Like, it was good. Like, you know. And, and, and then I got to work. The next day, I was like, hey, you don't know anything about softball? Let me explain to you the game of softball just so that I can tell you what I did last night. Like, I'll tell you everything you need to know about the game just so you can know how awesome what I did last night now how many of you have ever had a story where you couldn't wait to tell somebody else right it ain't got to be as awesome as mine you just got a story right you got a story that you couldn't wait to tell somebody else now look with me the gospel of john it's all going to make sense here in a minute i didn't tell you just that story just to brag There's, there's there's application hang with me now in the gospel of john the first chapter there's another John, not the John that wrote the book, but another John called John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist had one message. Repent because the Messiah is coming. Repent because one day the Lamb of God is coming. Repent because one day Jesus is going to show up. Repent, he's coming. Repent, he's coming. He only had one message, and he preached it every day. Now, the, John the Baptist had a couple of disciples, a couple of guys that followed him around. He was a teacher, much like Jesus was going to be thought of to be a teacher, a rabbi. John has this following of guys around him, all listening to him say every day, day in, day out, repent, for the Messiah is coming. That's the context for the story that we're going to read together. John chapter 1, verse 36. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look! Exclamation point. There is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We've found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So I want you to see Andrew's response to his interaction with Jesus. Sounds a whole lot like my home runs story. Home runs plural. You like that? It's plural because there's more than one of them. Y'all see what happened there because it was in the bottom. Now I'm just kidding. All right, so Andrew could not wait. He spent just a half a day with Jesus. And then he goes and he finds his brother Simon. He would have been called Simon then, not Peter. Jesus changed his name to Peter in the text that we just read. But he said, hey, Simon, you have got to come and meet this guy. Like this dude, John, that I've been hanging out with every day for the last couple weeks, last couple years. I don't know how long Andrew was under John's teaching, but like this guy that I hang out with and all he does is talk about repent because this guy is coming and repent because the Messiah is coming and repent because the Lamb of God is going to come and repent because the one is coming. Like the dude that he keeps talking about is coming. He's come, he's here and I met him. Simon, you got to come meet him. Like the most remarkable thing that's happened to me, this guy that, that, that John has been talking about and talking about and talking about, Simon, I got to meet him. I got to meet him. You got, you got to come meet him too. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Simon, you got to come and check it out. Were it not for Andrew's overwhelming sense of, you got to come meet this guy. Simon, I'm telling you, you, you got to. Were, were it not for Andrew's excitement over his opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. Peter would have never met Jesus. Peter would have missed the opportunity that changed the world. Now, I I fully believe that that God's plan is going to be accomplished one way or the other. If if Peter wouldn't have, if Andrew wouldn't have gotten excited, I think God would have used somebody else. However, because Andrew got excited about meeting Jesus and couldn't wait to go tell his brother Simon... Simon met Jesus Jesus changed his name and then God did some remarkable and incredible things through a man named Peter now here's the question I want to ask you how how long did Andrew know Jesus? how much time did they spend together? they met like 4 right 4 o'clock in the afternoon hung out till like 11.30 midnight Then, then, then he went home he spent half a day with Jesus. Andrew hadn't been to Andrew didn't go to seminary. A- Andrew didn't spend years and years under Jesus teaching before he went and told his brother he-, he didn't have a he didn't have a class on five steps to share your faith. Now I have I'm in Bible college. I've I've taken some some Bible classes. I've done some seminary stuff like those things are great. But here's all here's all Andrew did. Told his brother a story. Hey, man, I met this guy. He's pretty incredible. You should come and meet him, too. He made a recommendation. What is it about Andrew's asking of Peter to come and meet Jesus that made it so compelling? I mean, hey, man, I met this guy yesterday. I hung out with him. You should come meet him, too. If I told all y'all I met a guy this week that I think you should go hang out with, I don't think many of you are probably going to go hang out with him because... A lot of y'all don't know me very personally. Here's what made it compelling. They were brothers. I have a brother. If my brother asked me, hey, I just met this person. You've really got to meet this person. I would go meet them. You want to know why? Because he's my brother. Like, if he recommends something, I'm going to go do what my brother tells me to do because I trust him, because I love him, because I respect his opinion, because I know what gets him excited. If he gets excited about it, I'm going to be excited about it as well because we relate. To one another. That's what made Andrew's invitation for Peter to come and meet Jesus so compelling. Because he knew the source of the invitation and the recommendation. They had a relationship together. I, oftentimes people, and I'm not picking on you and I'm not trying to, to be mean. But oftentimes people will come to me and say, hey, Pastor Brian, I've got this friend. or I've got this, you know, this family member or, or somebody. and They just don't really know. They don't know Jesus. I'd love for you to come and to, to talk to them. Well, man, why why would they want to talk to me? They don't know me. They know you. You're, You're the one that has influence. You're the one that has the relationship. You're the one that has the foundation on which to be able to talk to somebody else and they respond. You're going to be way more compelling to somebody than I am. If I tell them I don't want to spend eternity without them, that doesn't really mean a whole lot because they don't know me and they don't care if they spend eternity without me or not. But for you to sit down across the table and say, look... I don't have all the answers. I haven't been to Bible college. I don't know the theology. And I'm probably not going to be able to answer all your questions. But here's what I know. I don't want to spend eternity without you. And I've met and begun a relationship with Jesus. And it has radically changed my life. And then you tell your story of how Jesus has changed you. Because that's your story. Nobody, Nobody can debate your story with you. You you can't, if I tell you a story of what Jesus has done in my life, you can't call me a liar because you didn't experience it, I did. It's my story. And I have a story. And if you have a relationship with Christ, you have a story also. And it's yours. And the people around you are going to respond to your story way more than they're going to respond to mine or anything I can read them out of the Bible. You see, God has given each and every one of us a, a circle, a sphere of influence He's put people in your life and made you their missionary. You. All of us. And what I want to see our church become is a church full of people that are so excited about the reality that we know and have a relationship with Jesus that you can't make us shut up about it. I get jacked up over a couple of local church softball home runs and I tell everybody for a whole week. I meet the, the, the creator of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, who radically changes my life, gives me a new hope, peace, joy, grace, mercy, redemption. Like, I got a story. You want to hear a story? Let me tell you a story. Isn't that how we relate? Stories, it's just a natural part of life, right? If something good happens to you, you tell people a story. Something bad happens. You tell people a story. You will meet somebody for the very first time and tell them stories about people that you know that they've never met. Stories is a natural part of our life. Here's, here's, what, here's all I'm saying. If we, you have a relationship with Christ, you've got the best story. Just tell your story. And tell it to the people that are around you because those are the people that God has put you in relationship with Because he wants to use you to touch and change their lives. And maybe you're not the, maybe you aren't a great theologian. Maybe you aren't the next great Christian thinker or author or pastor or evangelist or whatever. But your cousin that doesn't know Christ, she might be. Your brother that's never stepped foot inside of a church, he might be. Who knows what Peter's story would have sounded like had Andrew never gotten excited about meeting Jesus and come and told his brother Simon. And Simon was a fisherman. I get up, I fish, I clean my nets, I clean the fish, I sell fish. Repeat. Like that's like that's his story. I sell fish. I repeat. Like that's it. That's that's the story. But but because Andrew got fired up about a half-day encounter with The Messiah, the one that John told him was coming, and went and told his brother Simon, "Hey, you got to come now." Peter, Peter's got a pretty cool story to tell. Hey, I preached a sermon on Pentecost, and three thousand people gave their lives to Christ that day. That's a pretty cool story. Like I, I just believe that when I get to heaven, that Peter's probably still telling that story, right? Like they, they say or it's kind of mythically held, it's not true at all, There's nowhere in the Bible, that Peter's kind of standing at the gates of heaven letting people in and not letting people in. It's not biblically accurate at all. But if Peter were standing at the gates, I bet it would be, hey, welcome to heaven. Hey, let me tell you a story. There was this day when I preached. Like, I I bet you can't get the message of Christ off the lips of Peter because of how radically it impacted and changes his life. And it wouldn't have radically impacted and changed his life if it wouldn't have radically impacted the life of his brother who said, hey, Brother, come and see. So I want us all to understand the power and the magnitude of your story. It's just your story, but it's powerful. Here's what I, if you're taking notes and you want to write down kind of the big idea, the main thought for today is this: that my story has the power to change someone else's story. My story has the power to change someone else's story. With that much power tied up in your story, you should be telling it. You should be telling it. Now, now here's, here's what I know happens: it's we meet Jesus, and I, I love nothing more than than to have conversations with those people that just met Jesus because they are crazy on fire. For Jesus. And it is so much fun to talk to them. And it's like they can't, they, they can't get it out fast enough. They can't talk about it enough. I had lunch with a guy this week. He was all jacked up because he had an encounter with Christ. And he, could, was like he couldn't. He was mumbling. He was talking so fast. But he was so excited about an interaction. Something that God had spoken and done in his life. And he couldn't, he couldn't get it out fast enough or talk about it enough or tell enough people. And I long for those days as a believer. Hey, guilty. Look, i just as guilty as everybody else, I get, I get complacent. Uh, I get caught up in my, my, the daily grind and the day-to-day and the, all the, the stuff like that. And I forget how important it is, the story that I have, and how powerful it is for me to be telling my story to the people that are closest to me. I forget too. I'm sure you do. But man, can we just commit together as a church to start telling our story? Look, look, what, look what the Apostle Paul said, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15 It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a pretty cool promise. That for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. It's a promise. But then he he follows up the promise with a challenge. Here's the challenge. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. How can they go unless they are sent? I'm sending you. You are being sent, and not by me, but by Jesus when he said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've been sent. Let me ask you a question. Who is that, that person, or who, who are those people that God is breaking your heart for because they don't know Christ? Let me ask you a question that precedes that question do you have a heart that is broken for people who don't know Christ? Because if you don't, there's a really good chance that you don't know Him as well as you think you do. Because if you knew Christ the same way that Andrew knew Jesus and Simon knows Jesus, then your heart would be broken for those that don't because you you see and understand the value and the benefit of being connected with God. Is your heart broken for those that are lost? And if if it is, because I believe that, that for, for a lot or for most of us in the room, that is, that's true. You have a heart that's broken for people that don't yet know Him. Who's the one? Or who, who are the two or three that God continually brings to your mind? I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And in the stillness and the quiet of this moment, I want you to think about those people. Picture their their face. Just focus in. Just think about that person or those people. Their names. How you know them. I want you to ask God. God, would you begin right now in this moment orchestrating and aligning the events that are going to give me the opportunity to tell my story to that person or to those people. And God, not only would you begin to, to put things in motion or set things in place so that I have an opportunity to tell my story, but God, would you begin to soften the hearts of those that need to hear how much you love them of how desperately you desire to be in relationship with them so much to the point, God, that you are willing to sacrifice your son Jesus so that they could know you. God, would you begin to move in their lives? God, would you give me the boldness? Father, that is my prayer. This morning that for each and every one of us in the room who call you Father, that God, you would create a burning passion inside of our, we renew a passion inside of our hearts, God if it has begun to fizzle or fade God would you strike something new in us, God would you put your story on our lips every moment of every day so that God at the drop of a hat we're ready to tell somebody about the greatness of a God that loves them the sacrifice of his son who gave the resurrection that that ensures us the promise of an eternity with you God would you give us the boldness to tell your story. God, we thank you that we have a story to tell because of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for his sacrifice, for the cross, for the blood that was shed, for the life that we have through it. So God, it is in his name, the name that is above every other name, the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to do in a moment. We're going to We're going to stand and we're going to sing together. But on the front of the stage here, we've we've laid out some some pieces of wood. Next week, we're going to be constructing a a new set design that's going to incorporate these pieces of wood. They're going to be up for the next couple of months. And what we're hoping is that, that you would come forward and that you would write down the names of those that you just prayed for those that God breaks your heart for, those that you can't get out of your mind, those that need to hear the story about a God that loves them, would you write their name on one of these boards? And then we we won't display the names so that in the event they do show up at church and see their name on a board, they don't get confused or offended. We'll hide it, but you'll know they're there. I'll know they're there. And we're just going to, as a church, we're going to beg God that that these people would be able to, to hear the story of a God that loves them, and wants to change their life and wants to spend an eternity with them. So who is it on your mind? Who is it that God's leading you to share your story, His story, with? Would you come and write their name down and the next week you're going to see them they're going to be on the walls you're going to remember there's somebody that God wants me to tell my story to and I want you to do everything in your power week after week after week to get them here. Get them here so they can hear the life-changing message, the gospel. Stand with us as we sing.